Good morning. I'm Wimala, and today is Tuesday, November 29th. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. Some time, maybe not all consumed by shopping, but being with friends and loved ones. <clears throat> now we're back into this kind of hectic season between now and Christmas. People seem to get really caught up in uh, shopping and parties and everything. So take time to breathe. Take time to just spend time with yourself. And today we're going to continue reading and then sit. We're reading from Pema Chodron's book, How We Live is How We Die. Just those words are wisdom. I mean, just reading those, this title always makes me stop and really think. It's the way we're living today. This is it. You know, this is it. This is, this is the real thing that we're, what we're living right now. So death will just be another moment in this continuum. So. This is, I'm going to start skipping some of the chapters because um, some of this is very much Vajrayana teachings and uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But some of them it, are probably things that I don't understand as well. And uh, I'd like to find the parts that can be helpful to all of us. And then if with your interest, you can get the book and then read it and read through any of those parts that are unfamiliar to you, uh, you know, with uh, just read it more consciously and get what you want out of it. So this is chapter 19. <clears throat> and it's called From Openness to Concreteness, an Eternal Pattern. According to the Buddha, all is never lost. This is because every living being, from humans to tiny insects to invisible spirits, has the potential to wake up completely. To make an adjustment here. Sorry. I think my phone's slipping, so let me tighten this up. That would not be good. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> okay, I better start over. According to the Buddha, all is never lost. This is because every living being, from humans to tiny insects to invisible spirits, has the potential to wake up completely. How wondrous that all beings have that potential. For anyone who hasn't prepared for death ahead of time, the opportunities for awakening during the bardo of dying and the bardo of dharmata will go by so quickly that they probably won't be recognized. If an insect hits your windshield while you're driving, it will have no awareness of luminosity or deities unless it's a very special insect and will immediately find itself in the next bardo. And the bardo, remember, is just another transition. The bardo of becoming. Here its propensities will draw it towards its next birth in one of the realms of samsara. 
and samsara is what we call that that uh, endless wheel of living and dying and living again. Our experience of the bardo of becoming is said to be exactly like our experience in a dream. When we dream, we don't go anywhere or do anything with our body. Our body lies asleep in our bed, but we're still able to go through vivid, active experiences that feel real because our mind projects a mental body. The mental body can do all the things our physical body can do. But because it's less grounded than our waking body, it can do many wonderful things as well. In dreams, we can perform miracles. We can fly. We can go through walls. We can find ourselves in spaces and configurations that would be impossible with a solid physical body. The situation in the bardo of becoming is just like this. Because the mental body is no longer tethered to anything physical, it can do amazing things. But the experience of this bardo is said to be more unsettling than thrilling. It's like being blown about by tremendously powerful winds. After some time in such a vulnerable and agitated state, most beings feel compelled to find a new body. The experience of dying, going through the intermediate stage, and taking a new birth are said to match closely the daily process of falling asleep, dreaming, and waking up the next day. When we fall asleep, much like at the time of death, our five sense consciousnesses begin to withdraw. She's not including the mind in her five. One by one, a nightly process of dissolution. dissolution. <laughs> At the end of this, we experience a brief gap, which is much like the dawning of the mother luminosity at death. It's a moment of completely open space, of infinite potential. The gap is too fleeting for most of us to notice, but advanced meditators who can maintain awareness while falling asleep can observe and rest in this luminosity. From out of that open space, the first intimations of form arise. As in the bardo of Dharmata, these are egoless projections of our own mind. These appearances are so subtle and fleeting that they're extremely easy to miss. From here, we enter the world of dreams, where what we encounter seems to have more substance. Our mental body continues to have sensory experiences. These experiences don't always make sense according to our everyday logic, but we believe that what's happening is real and we react to it based on our propensities. All this is similar to what happens in the bardo of becoming. When we wake up in the morning, our normal five senses return, and we find ourselves back in a physical body. This is like taking our next birth. Our past experiences from the night that has ended, from the previous day, and from all our previous nights and days are gone forever. In many ways, we have a fresh start, a new life. 
So she's saying this is every morning when we wake up. The pattern of going from openness to concreteness repeats itself in many ways throughout the natural bardo of this life. In fact, it recurs continuously through every single day. Every moment comes to an end. This ending is a kind of death. Something was and no longer is. Before the next event arises, there's a gap, a moment of complete openness and unlimited potential. From out of that pregnant space of raw energy arises a subtle intimation of what will next arise. This energy almost instantly solidifies and the next moment of our experience is born. That is, that is how our life, every moment comes to an end. Every, you know, it's, I love this paragraph. On a very subtle level, none of our mental or emotional or physical experiences last longer than an instant. It may seem like we're smelling the same lilac scent or feeling the same anger from one moment to the next. But if we slow down enough to notice the continuous, subtle movement of life, it becomes apparent how everything is in a constant state of flux and that there are lots of gaps. This is something we can verify on the meditation cushion. For instance, we may feel like we're experiencing a solid, uninterrupted siege of anger. But if we look closely, we can see how the anger isn't as monolithic as it appears. Like any klesha, anger ebbs and flows. It manifests in various parts of the body. And there are moments during the experience where our attention goes somewhere else entirely and the anger is no longer felt. Highly advanced meditators can be aware of all the stages in this process, not only the end of one moment and the beginning of the next, but also the energy in between. In the language of Tibetan Buddhism, this three-stage pattern is often described in terms of the three kayas, K-A-Y-A-S. The Sanskrit word kaya literally means body, but here we are talking about different levels of reality from most subtle to most coarse. Dharmakaya refers to the basic space from which all form arises. Sambhogakaya is the energetic aspect, the subtle form behind the solidified manifestations that make up our day-to-day -day experience. Nirmanakaya refers to the concrete phenomena that we can perceive with our ordinary faculties. So, these are, the, these are different levels of reality from the most subtle to most coarse. From one point of view, the three kayas, the three bodies, the three uh, levels of reality, are stages that keep repeating themselves from moment to moment. But we can also say that all three are present at all times. In the open space, pregnant with possibility, there's always an energetic potential. And these two aspects of reality, space and energy, 
always manifest in concrete terms. On a larger scale, we can connect the three kayas to the three main opportunities for awakening in the bardos. At the moment of death, the chance to merge with the open, empty mother luminosity is a chance to merge with the dharmakaya aspect of our own nature. In the bardo of dharmata, there's the possibility of merging with the bright lights and peaceful and wrathful deities. These energetic appearances are manifestations of the sambhogaya, sam, sambhogakaya, I can't, sambhogakaya aspect of our own nature. Sambhogakaya is the energetic, the subtle form behind the solidified manifestations. Finally, in the bardo of becoming, we encounter the dreamlike appearances of the nirmanakaya aspect of our nature. At this stage, there is no longer a chance for immediate enlightenment, but we can go to what's called a pure realm. Or if we're prepared well during this life, we can have some control over where and in what form we take our next birth. So these are these are now becoming rather specific Tibetan uh, Tibetan uh, teachings. So I'm gonna I want to I'll be careful with how I read them and uh, how much we read of them because I don't want to get into a field that's just totally too different. But I don't want to I don't want anyone to think we're suddenly becoming. Uh, Vajrayanans, but <laughs> these, it's wonderful to read these teachings and then see where they're similar to our own beliefs, where they, where they may uh, kind of run parallel or where they may diverge. And uh, that's okay. It's good just to be aware of the myriad of teachings that are out there and Basically, are all these are all considered part of the Buddhist world, but we can see how different uh, different ways of expressing a certain truth. How some are comfortable for us, some may not be. So that's that's not a surprise, right? So we have a little bit of time left. I have to be very uh, punctual at ending since I'm, I have to be running off for another appointment. But let's sit and just uh, focus on today's sit, on just letting the mind be open and just be receptive to different teachings, different way that different, even different Buddhists uh, see, the, see the world and how we explain it and what aspects of it great teachers have um refined and developed. So just be in that open space, letting it be um, just part of the knowledge base that we have and part of the understanding. So just be aware of your breath. Close your eyes if you can. 
it's good for me. It's good to be back with you. I feel like I was, I've been gone for about a, a week in terms of our mornings together. So, uh, it feels good to be back. I haven't gone anywhere. I've gone to Wisconsin. <laughs> so. Just let this be a time for you to just really be with yourself, letting go, letting go of the thinking, just allow your thoughts to just go ahead. The mind's going to be creating thoughts, but just realize that you don't have to engage with them. You don't have to create stories from those thoughts. You can just be aware of them flowing. See them come and then see them go. And they go when we don't stop and make our stories out of them. As you breathe, begin to release a little bit more with each exhale. Keep relaxing your body. Just be aware of how you're staying in this present moment. Stay with that moment. See what each moment brings to you. Something you can be curious about. Something you can pay attention to.
Just let each breath be a new moment. Now, if you can, please continue sitting. Sit as long as you have time, as long as you're comfortable. Just maybe push your boundaries a little further. Even in the reading, we're probably pushing some boundaries a little further, looking at something that we, uh, that's maybe new to us, maybe a different, different way of seeing something or thinking about it. So with our meditation practice, maybe we can push a little bit more. This is a difficult time in the world. We need to, we need to have things that we can uh, rely on. And I think our practice is definitely the main one there. So as we end our time together, May everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, for our own well-being, but also for the benefit of all other sentient beings.
Thank you. Thank you for being here and thank you for uh, practicing with me and I will see you Thursday morning. It's good to see, good to see you. Bye-bye.